there's no doubt that small businesses are the foundation of our communities. That's why MasterCard has invested in tools to support small business owners as they grow their business. With MasterCard tools and resources, you can increase sales by shortening checkout time, broadening your customer base, and tapping into new opportunities to increase customer loyalty. So get started. Discover all the ways MasterCard can help guide, grow, and protect your business at mastercard.ca forward slash small business. Zensurance is Canada's leading commercial insurance broker, providing small businesses, startups, and entrepreneurs with the coverage they need. We shop over 50 insurance providers, meaning we help small businesses across hundreds of industries save on their annual premiums. Simply visit zensurance.com forward slash startup, and in just a few minutes, you could save up to 35% on the customized policy you need. That's zensurance.com forward slash startup. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. I'm your host, Rick Spence, business journalist, editor, public speaker, and entrepreneur. After 15 years as the national entrepreneurship columnist at the National Post, and as the former editor and publisher of Profit, the magazine for Canadian entrepreneurs, I've learned what makes Canadian startups special, scalable, and successful. On this show, we connect you with Canada's most innovative and entrepreneurial leaders and changemakers. You'll meet the people driving the entrepreneurial movement and we'll share their first-person adventures and their tips, hacks, and best advice for running startup and growth companies. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 3.5 million entrepreneurs. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. To entrepreneurs everywhere, this is your show. Entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. On the show today, we're thrilled to have Jennifer Denowden. Jen Denowden is president and CEO of Avana, named Canada's 10th fastest growing company on the McLean's Canadian Business 2020 growth list, making it the first ever female-led company from Saskatchewan to crack the top 10 in that list's 32-year history. Avana is a real estate development company with nearly $400 million in assets under management today. It's a purpose-led organization committed to building attainable, safe, quality housing. Jen left a successful career in private banking to found Avana in 2014, with her sights set on breaking down the old boys club of the real estate world. Avana has since gone on to achieve 9,888% revenue growth over five years and accounts for 45% of Regina's new build permits. In addition, Jen is passionate about helping women and children escaping domestic abuse through privately funded housing support and the work of the Avana Foundation. With Saskatchewan leading the provincial domestic violence statistics in Canada, according to Statistics Canada, Jen's mission is to enable single mother families to access safe housing. Ivana has also committed $2 million to the Women's Centre of the Regina YWCA. Having broken a lot of industry barriers and a glass ceiling or two, Jen is an advocate for equality and female empowerment. She makes it her life's work to build a better community and society. Jen lives in Regina with her husband and four young children and can be spotted scouting development sites with her hot pink hard hat. 
Welcome to the show, Jennifer. Thank you so much, Rick. I'm really happy to be here and uh, looking forward to this with you. All right. I'm looking forward to it, too. Are you wearing your hot pink hard hat right now? I am not. No, I'm in an office setting, so that would not be appropriate. It would be weird. (laughs) (laughs) I just figured, you know, if it's a signature thing, I don't know. Sinatra never took off his hat, right? I don't know. Okay. (laughs) So take us along on your entrepreneurial journey, if you would. Tell us what started you on the path to founding Avana. As a banker, did you ever expect to get involved in real estate? Absolutely not. I did not. No. I, uh, yeah, I had a a great career in finance. I loved, uh, you know, my career before. I still love the world of finance and the economy. I find it very interesting. And what brought me to uh, the journey of entrepreneurship was actually having my first baby and then getting pregnant with my second. I found myself in a position where, uh, you know, I've always kind of been an overachiever and I, I uh, have a strong belief that if you're going to do something, you should do your very best and try to be the best in it. And when I found myself with a uh, eight month old and then another baby on the way, I kind of looked at my life and my once exciting 60 hour work weeks and traveling all over Canada uh, didn't really fit my, my new life of being a young mom and a wife and somebody who wanted to be really hands on with my kids. So I decided I want to be an entrepreneur and I had no idea what that meant and what it was going to look like uh, and how I actually got to real estate was I figured if I was going to leave my career to be an entrepreneur, I didn't want to get into another situation where I was tied down to a stringent schedule. Uh, so I thought that, you know, with real estate, I could use my knowledge of finance and invest, you know, to create some passive income for me and my family while still using my knowledge and then I'd be able to kind of have the best of all worlds. So that's originally why real estate and how it started. Wow. Passive income as if the life of an entrepreneur could ever be passive. Yeah. Well, it's not anymore. It's very <laughs> active, but it was the original thought. Anyways, right, that right. Got us started. Yes. Good, pl- <laughs> good plan. You, you, you got to get started somehow. Um, yeah. So tell us how this whole thing of real estate, Uh, became part of your life? Yeah. So how I first, you know, dabbled in real estate is when I met my husband, I owned my home and he owned his. So when we decided to move in together, we thought that we would rent my house out because it was a little bit bigger and I moved in with him. And so we were able just from that one move to create a little bit of income. And then when we moved from that house into our new house, we kept that house. So we kind of just never sold a house. And so I just, thought that that could be a good option for us. We had a little bit of experience. Um, So when I decided that I really wanted to focus on real estate, I came up with this idea that I would take all of my and my husband's life savings and we would invest it into more real estate. So I came up with a proposal. I took my husband for lunch and I basically pitched it to him. (laughs) And I said, you know, I have this idea. This is what I want to do. And I, I need you to do it with me because I need to use our money. And the banks are going to want you to personally guarantee the debt. So I kind of need you to agree to this, which he did. Um, and then from there, we honestly, we thought we would just invest in in some real estate. We went and met with some developers in the city here in Regina where we live. And we just couldn't find a partner uh, that we really wanted to work with, I guess. Um, and that's the first time I noticed that our industry is run by the old boys club. It's one demographic. It was very hard to find anything other than that. 
so we decided that we would start our own home building company. Um, and so my brother just happened to be a journeyman carpenter at the time working for a home building company in the city. So that's when we approached my brother and my sister-in-law to see if they were interested in coming into business with us. Um, and so they agreed. And that's how the family business was incepted. Our original plan was to build uh, 40 houses, which would be about an asset value of about $20 million over a period of five to eight years. And then we would stop and we would just maintain you know, these homes as a little family run business in Regina. That was the original plan. And so that was seven and a half years ago. And we are just surpassing now the $400 million mark. So needless to say, our plans got, you know, bigger and greater. And we've grown significantly compared to what we thought that we could. And we did that by capitalizing on opportunities that, you know, we didn't foresee coming originally. And that's how we got here. Wow, that is a heck of a story. What would have happened if you didn't have a brother who was a carpenter and was able, presumably, to you know lead the actual building side? It for sure would have been harder. Yeah, um, he he was very integral uh, on the construction side. Like literally, we had no experience in construction. I was a private banker, and my husband was a firefighter, so <laughs> we we really knew nothing. But when we started, my brother was able to physically build like he framed the first house literally by himself a two-story house alone um and my husband fumbled his way through the uh, project management kind of general contracting side of things um and he would like my husband would literally be at work at the fire department when they weren't on calls and he'd set his computer up in his dorm and be like general contracting builds from the fire department originally when we had first started so it's pretty crazy, but uh, for sure the the experience and knowledge that all four of us brought in in the beginning was very important to getting us to where we are today. Right. So what does Avana look like now? How many people do you employ? Um, how many projects are you working on? So we have a team in Regina of about 35, um, including the contracted trades of, of our projects. We probably employ of full-time people, about 250. We recently expanded into Alberta and into BC. So we have about 400 units under construction or in planning and in Alberta, 200 units in BC, and then another about 350 units here in Regina. Um, and so we probably will hit in the next year about 2,000 units uh, for our, for our rental properties. And so things, you know, look a lot different than when we first started. We first started building single family homes with basement suites. And now we build, you know, large multi-unit 30, 40, $50 million projects. So we've, uh, continually grown, learned and applied what we've learned along the way. And is all of it rental housing? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Now, well, it's not all, sorry, rental housing. It's all rental real estate. So in about 2015, 16, we, focus on light industrial commercial for a year or so. So we have about 25 units of light industrial. Um, when we first started, we developed at market rental housing. And then in 2018, we pivoted, we say we pivoted to purpose, which really is exactly what we did. And since 2018, we focus 100% of our time on developing affordable residential housing. So that's now mostly what, what it is, is affordable residential housing for rental purpose. Right. Did the other developers of town say, phew, they're not coming after us. Uh, you know, I don't know. I kind of, uh, 
really avoid <laughs> the other developers in the town. Again, you know, especially Regina, we're a very conservative uh, province in Canada. And again, when I say the old boys club run our industry, like the old boys club runs this industry. So we, you know, from pretty early on decided that we would kind of stay away from the traditional home building industry. And we would really focus on the fact that we're entrepreneurs and I identify more as an entrepreneur than I would a home builder or developer. Um, but uh, yeah, there was a lot of people in the beginning that for sure did not think we would be successful. Um, and so it's been nice to to prove them wrong for sure. Wow. Wow. So I'm in Toronto where the big condos scrape the sky, but nobody wants to build rental housing. So what was the opportunity yeah. you saw in rental and how has that worked out? You know, I think for us, we were so young that, and I still don't quite understand it to be honest with you. Like we develop for ourselves and we retain the assets. So then those assets become, you know, cash flowing assets that we continue to have as we move forward. And although, yeah, you can probably make some more money up front by building and selling to me, it's a stronger business and there's more opportunity by, by building rental. So I don't know why anybody, especially in Toronto, where there's such a need for rental housing, especially affordable rental housing. I don't know why you would take a bigger profit up front and lose the asset long-term. Um, when we got into it, I mean, my banking finance background was very helpful in how we made strategic business decisions. I was only 26 years old when we started our business. So I looked at it as if we can build real estate and have, you know, a 20, even to 30 year amortization, I'm still only in my fifties when whatever we build is completely paid off. Um, and so it was really a no brainer uh, to, to build rental. And we, we would not touch something that's that, that we couldn't own at the end. So even if I had somebody come to me tomorrow and ask me to build a $25 million project for them, you know, that we could profit off if we absolutely would say no, unless our purpose was attached to it and that we would continue to own it afterwards. Right. Um, I'm not a real estate expert. I, my opinion had always sort of been that uh, big, bigger businesses didn't want to get involved in rental housing because of tenants, because tenants call late at night and they don't know how to fix the tap and they might damage the walls and sneak out in the middle of the night or, you know, whatever the, the horror stories you hear. So why has yeah. rental worked out for you? Don't you have tenants like that in Regina? Of course. Yeah. And I mean, in any business, there's risks and there's, you know, complicating factors. It's how do you mitigate the risk and how do you mitigate those, uh, complicated factors. How we have, I think, really thrived in that area is we run our business very differently than most people in it. Our tenants, our residents are our number one priority. We believe in giving them the best service and taking care of them. And they're really part of the Avana family when they come, you know, to rent one of our one of our homes from us. And I think that we've attracted really great, you know, residents because of that. And we do good screening. We offer, you know, good uh, emergency services if stuff does happen outside of business hours. And uh, the, one of the number one priorities there is we have the best team on the property management side, really our whole team. But on the property management side, they are so service oriented. They care so much about our residents. Um, and they're just really, really fantastic that we don't really have a lot of issues with residents. In the last eight years, we've never once had like a trashed 
completely trashed home or anything like that. So, and I think, again, it's just, there are people that aren't going to pay their rent. There are people that are going to cause damage sometimes. And it's just ensuring that you plan for that in the strategic plan within the business and and it's fine. And so, so just give us an idea of who your tenants are, because we're, some of us are so, you know, to some of us, owning your own home is so ingrained that we don't really know people who are, you know, renting instead. You know, anybody, any demographic you mention, we probably have them as a resident. Anywhere from single moms to students to seniors to, you know, we have several professional couple uh, residents who are saving for their first down payment while they pay off their student loans like everything, every single type of person rents from us, business owners. We have, I mean, we have homes that range from, you know, $850 a month for rent up to $3,500 a month for rent for our at market stuff. So we have a large range. So how do you think that Ivana has actually been a disruptive force in the real estate industry? Honestly, I think one of the major reasons we've been able to disrupt is because the majority of our industry is led by one demographic. And that demographic in many situations thinks very similarly. Uh, Avana is different in almost every way. We are female led, we are diverse, we have a diverse team, we are purpose led. Avana focuses on quality, affordable housing with exceptional service. Those are not words you would often see combined together in this industry. Um, And then on top of that, with our focus on housing women and children, there's just nobody else that we know of really doing that type of work in our industry. That's uh, incredible stuff. The other thing is that I was reading that uh, you're, that Ivana is the highest rated quality service provider in, in property management in Regina. Yeah. So yeah. how does trying to be a really good landlord, how does that affect growth and profitability? It doesn't seem to have hurt you much. Oh, it's it's key. I mean, if you look at the Regina markets, let's just look at that market. We have a, we have a vacancy rate of 7.8% in Regina. And we track our vacancy on a monthly basis. And on September 1st, our vacancy was 0.6%. So we are outperforming the market. We we always outperform the market, but that's a huge uh, difference. Uh, so it's easy, really. We just have to build build the homes, and and people want to rent them. Uh, we have waiting lists often, and again, to be in a, I think Regina is one of the highest vacancy rates across Canada. And so to be in that market and have a waiting list, it's almost unheard of. And I think a lot of it has to do with our team and with the service that they that they offer our residents. Wow, that's incredible. So you have um, the background of a of a banker. How did your financial knowledge come in handy as you were building the company? Oh, it was very, very important. Uh, I knew I could leverage my knowledge and my experience in finance, but I did not know, you know, how important it would be. Uh, every high growth company needs finance, and they need finance experience. That's exactly what I had. Luckily, I had seven years of of, uh, of experience and I had my financial planning designation so I could really look at our finances and the company holistically. Um, we have remained a private company, which is uh, something that is very important to us to continue. And often uh, companies have to choose between scaling and 
not remaining private because it's very difficult to finance your own growth. And I think my my ability to navigate the financial world is really what helped us grow and finance it ourselves, not have to bring you know another company or another investor in to do it. Right. My dad used to work for a bank and uh, he apparently got a break in the mortgage. Did, did, do ex-bankers get a break in mortgage rates? <laughs> no, 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 we do not. So, so, so <laughs> that didn't I will help. Say, though, I will say though, it was helpful, the relationships I had. So when we, so my, my first bank that I worked for was CIBC for five years. And so I had lots of relationships there. And when we decided to start a band, I went to a friend of mine who, who worked there and we were able to get pre-qualified for $4 million to go start in mortgages, to go start, you know, financing properties to start building. And I don't know if it would have been harder had I not had that relationship, I would assume so. So for sure that that made a difference in the beginning years. Wow. So memo to entrepreneurs, get to know local carpenters and bankers because you never know yeah, yeah. who's going to save your bacon one oh, day. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Having yeah. a good banker in a high growth company is very, very important. This is something that I almost had to learn the hard way. Like we got to a point in Saskatchewan that what we were doing was viewed as so risky because we were a disruptor. We were anomaly. And it became very challenging to gain the financing that we were looking for. And topped on top of that is that we're female led in a male dominated industry. Bankers thought we were like the riskiest bet probably that you could do what you could have in Saskatchewan. So until we really left Saskatchewan as far as financing went, um, that's really what helped us really scale. Um, what once we were looked at as, you know, probably a risky that the next company outside of Saskatchewan was, saw opportunity in us and was so excited to, you know, to lend money to us, which was a really a breath of fresh air from what we were kind of used to in Saskatchewan. Wow. You, you mentioned that at one point, I think it was 2018, you sort of pivoted to, to putting purpose first. Yeah. What did that actually look like? What, what changed? Yeah, I would say we've always been a purpose-driven company. Uh, my brother and I were brought up in a home where giving back and charity was very, very important to our family. So we always had that kind of ingrained in our DNA. But I would say now being purpose-led, everything we do is for our purpose, is for the greater good, is to create social change and to improve the community. Uh, every decision we make, every strategy we build has that at the forefront of our minds. And so in 2018, I mean, we were doing well, but it was just not, we weren't exceptional. And you can't really be exceptional, I don't think, on this earth without creating good. And so, you know, although we could have just kept building at market affordable housing, light industrial, whatever it was, you know, what's the point? What's the purpose behind it? And so we as a family realized that we want to use the platform at that time we had built to do something bigger, better, greater. And that's what led us to affordable housing. We, we had overlooked the fact that creating housing that's attainable for people more vulnerable can literally change generations of a family. It can change the trajectory of, of a single mom, of kids, of, of, of their kids. So that's really um, through a lot of research and I guess soul searching for the owners is what led us to that path that we've now been on for just over three years. 
You strike me as a modest person, so I'm going to see if I can get you to brag a little bit. Have you been able to? <laughs> have you been able to? You know, quantify how people or the city have actually benefited from this. I mean, to be building more high quality affordable housing is a wonderful thing. As you suggested, it can change people's lives. It can give them access to opportunities. It can give them confidence and pride and 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 help uh the family feel better. So you must have heard some stories about how the work you have done has changed people's lives. Oh, for sure. I mean we hear it probably every month different stories because there's just so little options, especially for women and children, because uh, the rate of return is higher on a one or two bedroom unit than it is on a three or four bedroom unit. And so again, because our industry is run by the old boys club, they build mostly one and two bedrooms. So when we came into the industry, uh, we build mostly three bedrooms. So even just that alone changed a lot of people because you now, instead of cramming like three or four kids into a one or two bedroom, you at least have the option of having enough space for your family. But we have changed, I would say lives every month. We change lives because we take people who may be in a shelter situation. Uh, a lot of families that we house are in a domestic abuse situation. We take them out of that situation. We offer them a home that's in a brand new area of the city. So every, all of our affordable housing is in new areas by schools, by amenities, by you know work opportunities. So they get to go move out to an area of the city they might not have ever even been in in their life where there's parks and, you know, brand new schools and shopping malls and doctors and daycares and everything you need is there. And it's safe. And that's something that, you know, some of our residents have never, ever had before. And these kids get to go to a school that's not in, you know, like an unfavorable neighborhood where the parents are worried about their kids safety just walking to school and back you know so it's yeah we it's definitely made a, a an impact we because of the affordable nature we've had single moms who have been able to afford to go back to school and you know further their education and get back into the workforce and that has its own set of benefits so it's really cool to see the impact that we can make um we just need to make more of it because the issue of domestic violence um, happens across our country every single day and there's just not enough advocates for for that and there's not enough housing options for people that are experiencing it so I hope that you know more developers start really focusing on affordable housing and especially on family housing it's needed yeah you were quoted in a story in McLean's when you were on their, their growth list that, that when you started, you had moderate ambitions, but, but you told them, once we started, we saw opportunity everywhere we went. And I love that quote. Yeah. Because I, I think it speaks to the power of just getting started as an entrepreneur. You can make all the business plans you want, but you won't really understand the nuances of your industry or the sweet spots until you're actually in the middle of it. Do you, do you think yes, that you were so right? Do you think yeah, that applies yes, to yes. other entrepreneurs? Once we started, we saw opportunity everywhere. Absolutely. Especially for us, because we weren't actually in the industry. We started our business in, right? So we knew we, we came up with a plan on paper 
and it worked well enough, but until you actually get into it, um, yeah, it's very difficult to, to ideate until you see the surroundings that you have. Right. Now, usually when you get into the middle of a business, you start thinking like people in that business, but it sounds like you also kept your outsider perspective the whole time. And 100%. So, so somehow yeah. that combination of outsider up to their neck in it, <laughs> in the industry, created these, helped create these, or enable you to see these new opportunities and helped you uh, take advantage of them in a in a way that was commercially successful and socially successful. For sure. <laughs> I've never said this, but, and this might upset some people, but one thing that I noticed in our industry when we really got into it is people complain a lot. Like we're complaining about lumber prices or we're complaining about PST and the provincial government, or we're complaining about interest rates. They're so focused complaining about things that are so beyond their control we just learn to roll with the punches again, mitigate risk, strategize. And while 90% of the industry is, you know, over here complaining about something, we're off looking for opportunities and building something bigger every year. So uh, I think it's a uh, perspective and mindset is, is crucial. If you want to do something differently and something that's not been done before, right. it's absolutely necessary. Yeah. So a company with, quadruple digit growth over the past five years. Um, as a company grows, usually you need to get more and more specialists into the business as executives, as decision makers, as you discover, okay, yeah. I could keep track of 12 properties when we were building them, but now we're in three provinces and scattered all over the map. Um, we need real pros. How do you find the talent you need and how do you make sure they also have the values that you want them to have in this company? So this is one of the most difficult parts of our business, to be honest with you. Um, often we've found over our experience here being headquartered in Regina um, to find the years of experience and education and then also find a person whose values are aligned and a person that can thrive in a feminist-led organization, which is exactly what we are, it's very, very hard to find. You know, it's easy to find younger people who align to our values, um, but those people at this stage of our business may not be qualified or experienced enough for the roles that we need. And then older people that have the experience, um, you know, maybe don't want to work for a, a young female CEO and, you know, feminist everything really everything we do we we approach with a feminist lens so yeah it's been very very challenging uh we're super fortunate right now uh that we have had some recent additions to our team we have a vice president of the company we have a vp of finance and a vp of operations that recently came to us from calgary she moved to regina to take this role so that's something we've kind of learned is we may not find it in regina you know we may have to find the person from a different province, even a different country. And we're willing to do that and have people move here for the positions. So luckily our purpose drives strong emotion. Uh, so people are willing to move here for, for opportunities, which is great. Uh, but yeah, it's for sure been a challenge, I would say over the, over the last seven and a half years. And, and how do you make sure they have that 
that attitude that you're looking for that that you know that that we're here for our customers not to you know maximize their utility yeah well i mean it's it's an attitude so we something we've learned or last i would even just say year that we've really pivoted on is we will hire the people uh, that have the right attitude that are curious that have the right work ethic that are aligned in our values and you can't teach people those things. You can't teach people, you know, loyalty and honesty and hard work and curiosity. But you can teach people, you know, how to calculate financial ratios. You can teach people how to, you know, open their imagination this way and ID this way. So we really started hiring people that we see honestly ourselves a bit in. And then we teach them what they need to know. And that's started to work out really, really well for us. Um, in the beginning years, we tried hiring more experience because we were so inexperienced. We needed people that could help us. Uh, but it's changed a bit now. And uh, and and we'll never let the right person go. So if, if somebody came tomorrow to want to have a job at Ivana, and even if we didn't have an opening, but we saw that spark in them, that alignment, we will create a position for that person in the right situation. Um, and so that's what's really nice about being private and being a family-owned company is we're very nimble. We can capitalize on opportunities. We don't have a board and, you know, a bunch of investors that we have to ask all these questions to. We can decide what we want to do and how we want to do it and not veer from our values ever. Wow. So where are you now in Alberta in British Columbia? So Alberta, we are in Edmonton. So that's our focus for now. Uh, we have three fairly large projects um, underway there. Our first uh, finished unit is about to hit the market in the next month or so. We've uh, created a really great relationship with the city of Edmonton uh, because they have a significant focus on affordable housing. So they've been a really, really great partner for us and we're excited to continue to work with them. And then in BC, we are just outside of Kelowna, it's Lake Country is our first project that's about to break ground here in the next couple months. And that one is a just under 200 unit project. We're very excited about that project because Kelowna area does not have any second or third stage housing. So literally, if domestic abuse is occurring there, there is almost nowhere for, for those women and those kids and the families to go unless they want to leave Kelowna. And often their family lives there, they're from there, like their support system is there. So it's really sad how, how the infrastructure for, for social needs has not kept up to the growth and the wealth accumulation in that community. But so, yeah, we're very excited for that. And we're going to be working with the Kelowna's, uh, the Kelowna Women's Shelter there. We work with the YWCA in Edmonton and we work with the YWCA and Sophia House, uh, two shelters for women and children here in Regina. So would I be safe in assuming that as you look for new places to expand to you're not just looking at the potential of the size or the growth of the market but also whether there are issues you can help solve oh for sure yeah uh you know we have to so when you say purpose-led it really finance. is leading you fortunately it's leading oh, you to sure. Kelowna yeah. <laughs> yeah we would pick need like social need over profit all day long 100 percent of the time we would pick social need over profit as long as obviously it's, you know, a smart financial decision, we can't be risky, but um, yeah, for sure. And I, I would say that we could go to any community in Canada and we could do what we do successfully. That is how much of a need there is. 
that is how few people are doing what we're doing. You know, it's, it's just what we do is needed. We have no competition in what we do, which is not good. It's why we can do it so easily and successfully. But I look forward to the day where, you know, there's competition and we couldn't enter a market because there's too many people doing what we do. That would be a beautiful day for our country. A phrase that means a lot to entrepreneurs these days is product market fit. Finding, taking time to find out what product is going to be the very best fit in your marketplace to your demographic. And you seem to have had some idea of that uh, from the beginning. Can you just take us through that journey where you say, okay, this is, this is what we need. We need the three-bedroom affordable uh, quality buildings here. Uh, how did you achieve product market fit so well? So I think one thing uh, at Avana that we do is we make data-driven decisions. And we've done this since day one. Uh, in our industry, there's lots of information available. And I think, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head is taking the time to do it. Often entrepreneurs don't. They think that, you know, they have a good idea and it, it, it makes sense to them. But just taking that step back, taking the time, looking to see what's out there, doing SWOT analysis, looking at the data, modeling it in different ways, really through numbers and data is how we have found opportunities. And we continue to do it that way. Um, and then on top of that, now that our, our portfolio has gotten larger, we can pull data from our own portfolio. Um, we are about to implement focus groups. So as we bring new products or are ideating on new products for the market, we'll have people from different you know, demographics come and offer their input before we get too far down the road. Uh, because you know, who am I? I've owned my own house since I was 20 years old. Who am I to say what the renter today needs or wants? I have, I may think I know, but I, I don't know. Uh, so I think it's just really using, again, the data, and the, the people that are the consumers in that, that industry to, to help make your decisions for you. That's, that is uh, incredibly powerful. How do I know what this market wants? Once upon a time, I was part of this demographic, but I'm not anymore. Uh, I'm not as, none of us is as young as we used to be. So it's great, the idea of knowing what you don't know and being aware of it and being open to do that research. Uh, incredibly important. For sure. Yeah. So Ivana yeah. is seven years old and you already have a foundation. So tell us about the Avana Foundation and what it does. So we originally created the foundation because we wanted to ensure that our community contributions were going to be sustainable. So what we decided to do in 2019 was create the foundation, which is a nonprofit. And we actually build some of our uh, real estate projects within the foundation so that the cash flow from those projects every single year, we then have to contribute back to the community somehow. Uh, so we did a 50 unit project in 2019 and we're just breaking ground on a 118 unit project here in Regina that are both owned within the foundation. So it's a great way to do what we do, you know, develop real estate is what we do. We just give up the ownership to the foundation and then the foundation will have its own money uh, to, to give away basically. To simply put it. Um, and then a couple years ago, you know, quickly after we created the foundation, we were noticing that some of the moms uh, or women being referred to us 
for our affordable housing, uh, especially the ones that were leaving domestic abuse situations because there's a lot of trauma um, and, and issues that exist around that. Uh, the women still weren't able to afford our affordable housing homes. And so we created through the foundation an empowerment fund, an empowerment housing fund. So now what we do when we get a referral and it's a good fit and, you know, it's somebody who needs a safe home and we can make a difference through through our housing with that that woman or that family and say it's out of her budget by $300 a month. Uh, what we'll do in that situation is pull $3,600 from the empowerment fund and we'll supplement her rent for her for that year. Uh, and so that's been really successful because, again, it gives an option uh to, to women that they, they would not have had. The last homeless count we had in Regina was 80% women and children are, are, are who takes up our homeless population. So sometimes in these situations, if you know, if the shelters are full, it could mean the difference of, of literally being homeless or being housed in this beautiful brand new safe home. Um, so yeah, it's very exciting. We uh, recently promoted actually my sister-in-law, who's one of the owners of Havana to be the CEO of the foundation. And uh, she's building quite the strong, powerful team in there. So I'm very, very, very excited to see what what they do in these next couple of years, because there's a lot of experience, education, knowledge, passion uh, on her team. And uh, it's going to be super cool to watch watch it grow and evolve over the next few years. That is super cool. It sounds like you're sort of developing a new way to do business. You're using the properties yes. themselves to create a self-correcting mechanism as in this the, the, this fund so that yeah. uh, it's generating sufficient resources to then be able to do you know off price or or subsidized or whatever to make sure that 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 it's it's meeting your goals that it's 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 got the values that you're trying to create and it's so it sounds like you're you found a way to institutionalize compassion yep that's exactly it and for us we we've already gone through succession planning and really hope that Ivana is a multi-generational private enterprise so we have uh, between the two families we have seven kids eight and under who hopefully will one day come in and take over the business from us and by having the foundation set up now you know, they don't have a choice but to continue the community work that we do and to prioritize social injustices and 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 use the Avana platform for good. They don't have a choice. Not that they wouldn't have because we're kind of raising them to be that way. But, you know, it just really is creating a sustainable enterprise for for purpose led and for social change and giving back to the community. This is an incredible story about how you've built a company with values and now you're finding a way to replicate that and 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 secure those values for future tenants, even future generations. Uh, in, in, incredible. I hope you write a book or start teaching courses or something so you can uh, get this story out to more people and let them know that, that business can be a little bit more creative than we sometimes think. For sure. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate those kind of words. Yeah. So as we finish up here, traditionally, 
we ask our entrepreneurial guests for their best, most actionable piece of advice that other entrepreneurs could use and put into uh, effect at their business right away. So Jennifer Denowden, president and CEO of Avena, what is your best piece of actionable advice for our listeners? I would just start off by saying, think differently. Don't try to do things the same way they've always been done. And in, you know, ideating and starting to strategize that way, set a goal for your business so significant that you and your entire team has to level up and change the way you think in order to achieve it. This is how innovation happens. This is how change happens. And then, you know, take a step back and and strategize a way to actually break that goal down into actionable steps and then work really hard. You implement the new strategies you thought of that maybe have never been done before and, and see what happens. That's what we did. We came into this industry as an outsider and we strategically remained an outsider. And that is something I'm very proud of. And I think that's why we've been able to be so successful is because what we've done has never been done before. So that would be my advice. (laughs) That is great advice. I (laughs) hope people will really think about that. Press rewind and play that last minute back again and and, and, and put it on your whiteboard because that's tremendous advice. Jennifer Denowden, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure and an honor to talk with you and hear about how you're uh, making a city better through the tools of entrepreneurship. And I wish you good luck as you uh, expand uh, into other provinces and hopefully acro- hopefully across the country and, and, and prove that uh, doing good does mean doing well. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Okay, we'll talk again. Thank you for joining us this week in the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly show dedicated to unlocking the potential of every entrepreneur. Stay tuned another minute to hear the latest startup community news and the upcoming events lineup, including our hashtag Startup Chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time. I sometimes show up there too. Until next week, I'm your Startup Canada podcast host, Rick Spence.